Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Today's program is going to be just a little bit different. We're going to take the whole half hour and do a question and answer with Pastor Brock. Um, we have this as usually just the end of our program, but we've gotten some really good questions lately, so we're going to take a whole half hour to answer some of your Bible questions. So, Pastor Brock, my first question for you today is, can you... Tell me, does God approve of drinking wine? Mm -hmm. and, because in the Bible... Well, you know, Jesus drank wine. The disciples drank wine. Now, <clears throat> it, the wine in the first century was not as strong as our wine, but you could still get drunk on it. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, Jackie, there are some church... I, I saw this TV evangelist who was screaming his sermon, and his point was, you cannot have a sip of wine, a cup of wine, you cannot have a beer and really be a Christian. And I'm thinking, you cannot say that from the New Testament. And of course, a booze is abused, and there's a wonderful group called Alcoholics Victorious, and if you have a problem with drinking, you probably shouldn't drink anything. That's probably a very good idea. But it is overkill to say, you know, some t try to say, well, when it says wine in the New Testament, it really means grape juice. You can't get that out of Ephesians chapter 5. It says, do not get drunk with wine. You can't get drunk on grape juice. So, you know, Jackie, nothing's wrong with having a beer, a glass of wine. Uh, I, I think, though, nothing is wrong because of the way it's so abused in our culture with totally abstaining from it. But to say you're not a Christian if you have a glass of wine, then Jesus wasn't a Christian. <laughs> well, and too, wasn't wine the drink? I mean, they didn't yeah. have, you right. know, the pasteurized milks or mm -hmm. pop or yeah. anything like yes, that. It yes. was. And, and, and again, it was, it was much more impotent than our wine today. Mm -hmm. But it was still wine because you could get drunk on it. Right. So drunkenness is always a sin. Having a beer is not. Okay. Do you think the saints in heaven can see us on earth? You know, somebody's wife died, was it? And he wrote and asked me that. And I don't know that we know the answer to that. Uh, some people say they can't because if they did, they'd be grieving in heaven, and heaven is a place of joy. So I'm I, guessing they don't see us on earth. But we don't, I don't know that we know for sure. But we do know, I mean, nowhere in the Bible are we told to pray to the saints in heaven. We're told to pray to God. We're never told to pray to St. Jude or, or someone else for this or that uh, cons consideration. So I just pray to God. Okay, you know, Pastor Brock, as long as we're talking about that side of the coin, um, there are people who say that we aren't going to know each other in heaven mm -hmm. because if somebody that we loved isn't there, we wouldn't be happy. Uh -huh. Is that true? Well, we will know each other in heaven. Now, will I know that my atheist grandpa isn't up there? Will God, you know, just... Or will, will God make it so I understand so well that it makes sense that grandpa's not in heaven? That's a possibility. But here's where I get the... You know, 
I get that question a lot. Will we know our loved ones in heaven? The reason I think the answer is yes is because Jesus said this, you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Well, if I'm going to know that's Abraham, that's Isaac, I think I'm going to know that's grandma. So we, we will know people in heaven. Okay. Um, some t people teach that if we believe properly, God will always heal us. Do you believe that? No. And again, this is called the health and wealth gospel. Very popular in American Christianity all over the place in TV preachers. And they, <coughs> they teach that if you believe hard enough, you're always going to be healed and you're going to be financially prosperous. Jackie, I don't see that in the Bible. How much money did Jesus have when he died? How much money did the Apostle Paul have when he died? I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, to me it's a grievous doctrine. Well, isn't it true though that there is the fact that the ultimate healing is God mm -hmm. takes us home? Yeah, yeah. So isn't that make it a true statement? R right, well, and it's, if that's what you mean, okay. Okay. If that's what you, I mean, God always heals us, sometimes he saves us healing. For the next life if okay. that's what you mean okay all right you'll give it to me on that one <coughs> does god forgive everyone's sins or are there conditions to god's mm -hmm. forgiveness this is ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 in christ we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our sins the condition of having your sins forgiven jackie you need to be in christ you need to have jesus as your savior if you reject jesus as your savior you don't have the forgiveness of sins. And on Judgment Day, you stand before God alone without a defense attorney. I don't want that. I want my attorney, Jesus, next to me. Okay, I once heard someone say something that I thought was, they thought was arrogant. Mm -hmm. that some Christians say they know for sure they're going to heaven. Mm -hmm. And this person said, isn't that kind of arrogant to mm -hmm. say mm -hmm. that to someone? Well, it depends on your spirit, I suppose. Jackie, I know that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. The reason that's not arrogant is because it doesn't depend on me and my goodness. It depends on Jesus on the cross. And, and this verse was huge for me, Jackie. I was raised in the Christian church, but I didn't get the assurance of my salvation until I was about 19 years old. And somebody pointed a verse out to me that I point out to everybody in the audience. 1 John 5.13 I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you may hope maybe you'll get it. I write this to you who believe in Jesus, that you may know that you have eternal life. So I, I think the way we put it, Jackie, is because our salvation is dependent on Christ alone and not on me, I can know for sure I'm going there. And that's a wonderful thing. So I don't think it's arrogant. You just believe in 1 John 5.13. Okay, Pastor Brock. Should a person pray for the gift of being able to speak in tongues? Mm -hmm. And that is a gift of the Spirit, yeah, there's, isn't there's it? Yeah, there's 19 gifts of the Holy Spirit listed. Speaking in tongues, interpretation, giving, uh, prophesying, preaching, um, leadership, you know, administration, uh, mercy, discernment of spirits, uh, wisdom. There's all these gifts of the Spirit. And Paul says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So I say, no, don't just pray for the gift of tongues. Pray for all of them. And, God, and then it says, the Spirit apportions individually as He wills. He determines what you get, but you can seek them all, says the Apostle Paul. Okay, because that's that's a new thing for me too because I, I thought certain people didn't have the grace or the talent mm -hmm. to have some of those gifts. Well, and they but don't. Like Jackie, I, I don't have the gift of administration. 
<laughs> and and I, there are certain gifts that you don't have that I do and vice versa. Not every Christian has all the gifts. You seek them all, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but then you get what you get. So it is okay to seek the gifts yes, of the spiritual. Yes, okay. I'd say if you've never asked for God to give you the gift of tongues, ask for it and see what happens. You know. Okay, does God require us to tithe today like he did in the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the Old Testament, the Jews were to take 10% of their crops and give it to the Lord, to the work of, of the temple, etc. In the New Testament, are we as New Testament Christians required to do the same? Well, the Old Testament, prop, uh, the Old Testament principle was tithing. The New Testament principle is give as the Lord prospers you. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Now, I had an argument with a man who said, well, you're preaching tithing, because I was. And he said, that's an Old Testament concept. We're not under the Old Testament. We're free not to tithe. And my response was, if the Old Testament Jew who knew this much about the love of God was moved to give 10%, how about the New, Christian, New Testament Christian who knows this much now about the love of God on the cross? Will we be inspired to give more or less than the Old Testament Jew? My belief is, Jackie, at least we should be given 10%. But give as you prosper. There are some people that are going to give a lot more than 10% because we give as we prosper. And it's up to you. Nobody should put a gun to your head and say you've got to do this or that. Paul says God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give under compulsion. But when you meditate on what Christ has done for your eternal soul, you're going to want to give. You know, what do you say to the person, though, that says... I tithe my time and my talents mm-hmm. to the church. And I'd say, great, and also tithe your money. <laughs> okay, because there are people who believe that that in itself is enough it and not giving. And you know, Jackie, the barometer, I think, of our spiritual life is, can I take a look at your checkbook? Does any of your money go to the Lord, or is it all me, me, me? I think that shows how deep your Christianity is. Pastor Brock, do you think that most educated people don't believe in the Bible? Yeah. Overly well, educated, maybe well, I should here's, say. Here's, the, here's, here's something you hear now and then. If Christianity is true, why don't most educated people believe in it? And I think the answer is, for the same reason most uneducated people don't believe in it. It's not a matter of our intellect. It's a matter of our will. Most people don't want to give up their will and submit to anybody other than themselves. This is not an intellectual thing. It's a thing of the will. Okay. Mm-hmm. So does the devil rule over hell? Does the devil rule over hell? The Satan will be cast into hell, the lake of fire, at the end of time. The devil is not in hell yet. Okay. So Satan and the devil are two different things? No, they're the same thing. The devil is just another name for Satan. And if you read Job chapters 1, 2, and 3, God says to, jo- to the devil, where have you been, devil? from roaming to and fro on the earth and going up and down on it. Satan is not in hell yet. He's on the earth. Okay, so he isn't in... No, and it never says Satan will rule hell. My guess, he's on the lowest rung in hell when he finally is thrown there. But it never says he's ruling anything. Okay, that's interesting. Do you think that Christ's second coming is soon? Oh, certain things have to happen. Well... You know, it can, it can be at any moment, Jesus said, so it could be very near. What has to happen first? But there are some things that have to, have to happen first. Jesus said, all the nations will hear the gospel. Well, that's pretty much happened. 
And another thing, Paul in Romans 11 talks about Jews getting converted to Christ before the end. Well, you don't see that on a large scale, but you see some of it. Um, the Antichrist has to appear first. Now, again, Jackie, the reason it could be any moment is possible the Antichrist is here. We don't recognize it, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, it, Jesus can come at any moment. Nevertheless, there are certain things that happen first. Okay, you brought up the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. How will I know who the... Who is the Antichrist? Yeah. Or will we know who the Antichrist well, is? Well, the, the, the chapter you want to read, if you want to know what the Antichrist will be like, is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul talks about, at the end, this man called the man of lawlessness will come, and he will set himself up as God, and, you know, and proclaim himself in the temple as God, and then Christ comes and wipes him out. So, and also the book of Revelation, what is it? Revelation 13 talks about the beast, that's probably a reference to the same person, the Antichrist. So, yeah, that's, that's what he will be like. With all the disasters and everything that's occurring in America, mm -hmm. is God causing all of it? Well, let's say it this way. The way we've kicked God out of the American culture, starting with our schools, and now chaplains can't pray in the name of Jesus in some uh, circumstances. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible the way we have kicked God out of this culture. And what happens after you kick God out of your culture? Jackie, do you remember school shootings when you were a little girl? This is, this is brand new. This is ridiculous. But when you turn your back on God, it's like he removes his hands of protection and says, okay, you don't want me? You don't get me. You get Islam. You get terrorism. You get people shooting themselves in school. You know, it's, it's so, but Jackie, the question is, is this from God? I get this from Amos chapter 3, verse 6. If a disaster happens to a city, has not the Lord done it? So you could say, well, it's not the Lord doing it. It's the Islamic terrorists or it's these crazy people shooting up schools. You're right. They're the ones doing it. But God is allowing this now because of the way we've turned our back on God. So you're saying like the school shootings and some of the things that we've had even just locally here mm -hmm. are in the hands of God? And it's, God is in the control of everything. And Jackie, I, now we've got gay marriage in America. We've got abortion on demand all over America. We've got, you turn on regular TV. I don't even have cable. I turn on regular TV, it's pornographic. Okay, you, it's, again, it's like God says, okay, you don't want me, you get this, and, and, and we've got it. Okay, Jesus said not to judge, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we respond to someone who says Christians are judgmental? Mm -hmm. And we kind of are, yeah. because we think we're right and well, know what's right. Yeah, let's talk about this. In the same chapter that Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged, he says, look at the fruits of people. You will know them by their fruits. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. A bad tree doesn't produce good. So in the same chapter, he's telling us not to judge. He says, but look at people's behavior to see where they're coming from. So I think, Jackie, I think judge not is the most misquoted verse in the Bible. And people use that verse to say, shut up. I don't want to hear about my sin. <laughs> but, you know, if you're humble about it and you're loving about it, we have to make moral judgments. The, the people that write me and telling, that tell me, you know, don't judge me, they're judging me. <laughs> Everybody judges. What, what I think Jesus meant by judge not was simply don't think you're superior to others. That's what he meant.
Okay. How should we respond when people say Christians are narrow-minded? Mm -hmm. In fact, some people even go as far to say is that we're hateful mm -hmm. for having yep. the opinions we right. do like yep. on different subjects yep. Yep. and that. Jackie, I, I believe homosexual behavior is a sin. And therefore, in, in the eyes of some of these liberals in the media, I am hate-filled. And my belief is <coughs> I'm the person that loves the homosexual because I want them to turn from that behavior and put their faith in Christ. I love them eternally. The people that hurt those people are liberal bishops and liberal denominations telling them that's not even a sin anymore. Go ahead. And then 1 Corinthians 6 says they'll suffer for eternity. Who's being <coughs> loving in that scenario? I think I am. Yeah. Okay, this is an interesting question, I think, is where are the people who lived before Jesus died on the cross? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where did they go? Yeah. Did they go to heaven? Right. Now, like for instance, Abraham was born 2000 B.C. Mm -hmm. So will we see Abraham in heaven? And the answer is yes. Jesus said you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So what happened? The, and, and you know, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he started to shine, who talked to him and appeared? Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament. So I believe the Old Testament believers are in heaven with Christ and, and were consciously alive with the Lord, even when Christ was on earth because of them showing up on the Mount of Transfiguration. So yeah, the Old Testament believers, here, here's the way I think it works. We are saved as Christian believers because of Christ's death on the cross that happened in the past. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were saved by the Christ on the cross that was going to happen in their future. It's retroactive, but we're both saved by the same Christ. So it is possible then that that will happen. That what will happen? That these people that went beforehand are, are in heaven. They are in heaven. Yes, they are. And they were there before. I think so, because again, Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus when Jesus was on earth still before he died on the cross. Okay. Yeah. Should I confess my sins to a priest when I sin or a minister? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, the yeah. Catholics make you go to confession. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Orthodox Church does as well. Believe it or not, we have confession and, and, and absolution in the Lutheran Church, although people don't take advantage of it like they should. And so here's, here's confession. James chapter 5 says, Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. So there is a powerful healing property to confession. So I think it's healthy, Jackie. I mean, I have a friend who has a pornography problem, and now he's come to Christ. He goes to an Orthodox church. He has to go confess his sins to the priest before he takes communion, and he hates it, but it's good for him. <laughs> God's putting a dent in his pornography problem. It doesn't have to be a priest. Again, it says, confess your sins to one another. And Martin Luther said, strange priest, this one another. In other words, his point was, it doesn't have to be a priest. It can be a Christian friend that you trust, but nothing's wrong with it being a priest, or sometimes people come to me or pastors. So it, it's... But you know what? We need to confess more, not less. And, and yeah, you can confess your sins straight to God, hallelujah. But James 5 says, confess your sins to one another. That's where healing is. Okay, you just said you have a friend that has a pornography problem. Is that a sin? Yes, it is. In fact, I got, I got an email this week from somebody whose wife won't have sex with him for whatever reason. 
And his question to me was, is it okay if I go online and look at things so that I can relieve myself that way? And I said, no. I mean, pornography is a sin. Jesus says if you lust after someone that isn't your wife, you're committing a sin. So pornography is definitely a sin. Yeah. If you don't have a wife? It's still a sin. I okay. mean, Jesus I, says if you lust after someone else, you're committing adultery. Yeah. Since Jesus took our punishment for us, does God ever punish a Christian? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12 says God disciplines us, but the punishment for our sin, the eternal punishment, is hallelujah taken away. Jesus, Jesus got punished on our, for our sins so we wouldn't have to. That doesn't mean we don't have to be disciplined, and sometimes God does put us through discipline. Okay, so discipline is not the it's same. It's different than the punishment of sin, which okay. is hell. Yeah. All right. It says that God loves a cheerful giver in the Bible. Does this mean that I shouldn't give if I don't feel like it? <laughs> well, I mean, the Bible does say God loves a cheerful giver. You don't have to give under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. So I suppose an evil person could say, therefore, I'm not cheerful about it. I ain't giving. Well, you've got to pray about your attitude. And I pray about this. Lord, help me be a generous, joyful giver. And you pray for that if you're not that, at that point. You know, I've heard people say, how do I know my money's really going to go to those who need it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like when you give to a mission group yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, well, Jackie, what do you say to that? before the cameras rolled, I was talking to a couple people here about this horrible TV preacher. I won't name him, but all he talks about, he's got books on 10 ways to become a millionaire. You send your money to this ministry, you're going to reap your miracle. Your marriage will be healed. Your lumbago, I mean, it's evil. All he talks about money is money. You send him money, God's going to give you a miracle. And, and it's, it's evil, Jackie. And what was your question? <laughs> Uh, well, I, oh yeah, how do you know it's going to go where it should go? Well, it, when I give money, I check out the ministry. But believe me, I'm not giving this guy money who preaches. You can tell by his preaching that he's a, it's snake oil, but people give him money. And, and what I do is I, if, if I see it's got the ECFA seal on it, the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, that says this ministry is up on the up and up, and they've gone through the hoops to to verify their finances. So I like to see the, if the ECFA seal is on that ministry. I see, okay. Do you think America's financial problems are a judgment from God? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. we keep seeing all these horrible things. Yep. I, you know, America's still about the wealthiest nation on earth. But you know, Jesus said, to whom much is given, much shall be required. The United States has been given so much. God has blessed us so much. And we are, with our gay marriage, with our abortion on demand, America is the biggest producer of pornography worldwide. We're the producers. Uh, America's in trouble, you know, with, with it getting to the point where it's getting close where there's more babies born outside of wedlock than inside of wedlock. It's not there yet, but it's getting way too close. America has become a moral sewer. And so uh, it, it just, it, our financial problems, shootings in the schools, uh, all these uh, horrible things happening, are, you know, we've had shared a lot of tornadoes and earthquakes or uh, hurricanes the last 10 years. You know, I think this is all God's way of trying to get our attention. And we aren't listening very We're well? We're not listening. 
Okay. Yeah. Do we ever have the right to tell someone they're going to hell? Well, I mean, this listener says that they feel that that's God's job, God's job, and ours is to judge not. Yeah. Well, um, Jackie, I can't ultimately say who's going to heaven or hell. Only God can do that. However, in the book of Acts, Paul says to Elymas, the magician, that you're under God's judgment. And Peter says the same thing to Simon, the magician. You're under, actually, Elymas, I think, was a false prophet. And Peter says to Simon, the magician, you're under God's judgment. So sometimes, Jackie, we are called to tell people that you're in trouble. Uh, we need to do it humbly, but the apostles did it. And sometimes, you know, on, on, I've had to say to people, you know, until you repent, the way I read the Bible, you're going to hell. Okay. Yeah. If Jesus' death was God's plan, was Ju Judas guilty of a sin by betraying him? Mm -hmm. That's Because wasn't yeah. Judas doing God's will? That's a very that hard a question. Jesus said, one of you is, uh, how did he put it? Um, did I not choose you, the 12 myself, and one of you is a devil? And, but Jesus chose him. And did Judas accomplish God's will by having Christ crucified? The answer is yes. Is Judas accountable for a sin by having Christ crucified? The answer is yes. Now, how does that work? I'm going to, I'm going to give you a guess. I'm guessing now. Yes, it was God's will for Christ to be crucified. It's why he came to earth for our salvation. Somebody had to betray him to get him crucified. Um, and, and listen to this, Jackie, from Acts chapter 3. This Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So God had this all planned out. So how can God hold Judas accountable for betraying him when that was part of God's plan? And I'm guessing now, but maybe it's this. When Judas betrayed the Christ, was he doing that thinking to himself, I'm just carrying out God's plan? <laughs> no, he did it because he was evil. He did it from an evil motive. And because his motive was evil, therefore I think God can judge him as a sinner for what he did. Okay, Pastor Brock, we only have about 45 seconds okay. left. And I just want to thank everybody for sending questions to us because it really makes for a fun show when mm -hmm. we get to get a lot of questions, just a few at some of the other times. So yeah. do you want to close and tell sure. people? Everybody pray for our ministry if you would. If you want to watch this show again, go to pastorstudy.org, two S's, and you can watch all of our shows at pastorstudy.org. I write Facebook articles about current events. You can see that upper left of our website. Just hit the Facebook. But God be with you. Pray for us. If God moves you to support us, to keep us on the air, the address is coming in just a minute, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.